I want to close with bringing it all together. Because ultimately, we're all called. He called us all. It's all Paul, Paul used the word called. And actually, in your workbook, um, I collected a bunch of different scriptures on calling, on how the calling of God can't be revoked, about how called we are. So when you leave and you go back and hopefully... Um, I guess Americans, we like to fact check things now. So as you fact check all of the things I said tonight, go back to your Bibles, um, read it for yourself, pray. I know that when we go to the Bible, God downloads new revelation in our hearts. So if, if anything comes out of tonight and it's just you, go, you all going back to the Bible and having a really beautiful time with God, that's worth all of it for me. And I believe that we are called. We are called in the image of God. We are called to be armor bearers, and we are called to be message bearers today. So we get to bear it all, the image, the armor, and the message. And as I was preparing um, and thinking about us as, as armor bearers and message bearers in the image of God, it dawned on me that God's really given us the recipe for this. How do we walk it out? It's really what we want to know. Okay, I get, I get the big picture, but what does this look like? And I started to think about it in terms of the armor of God. And when you look at the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, which is not in your notes, I realized that I might have skimmed over references quickly earlier. So if there were any references you would like, I have them all in my notes, so I can give them to you. And Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says, in conclusion, so this is a good place to end, <laughs> in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. And if you're following along, I love words. I read out of the Amplified. <laughs> so I'm going to give you all the words that the Bible has. Um, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle today isn't like Deborah's. It's not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. There, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, stand firm. In your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. So, stand firm. Hold your ground. Having tightened on the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage, around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by having a good message. Above all, lift up the protective shield with which you can distinguish all, not some, all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We only have one weapon. We only have one weapon. 
We have the shield, we have the belt, we have the shoes, we have the helmet, we have all of those things, the breastplate. But we only have one weapon that's a part of our armor. We could have had the, the quiver of arrows that, I don't know, they could have been some other spiritual metaphor. We could have had some kind of javelin thing. Modern days, we should have had at least a semi-automatic rifle. But we don't. We have one weapon. And that one weapon is the word. That one weapon is the spirit, which is the word of God. So when we think about the spirit, what does the spirit wield? What does that look like? Well, the gifts of the spirit we know as our sword are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. These are our weapons. This is how we keep the enemy out. And the fruit of it is love. The fruit of our weapon is love. And what's amazing about this weapon is that everything about it is communicated. Everything about it we speak. Everything about it. We, we communicate wisdom and knowledge. We speak healing and miracles. We speak prophetic words. Can you imagine a prophetic word that wasn't spoken? It doesn't exist. We speak tongues and their interpretations. Our weapon is our message. So he's called us. We know he's called us. Not only has he called us, but he hasn't called us in a partial, dimly lit reflection of who he is. He has called us as all of humanity to wake up, to be his children, to accept his salvation that is for each and every one of us, to stand together, each and every one of us, in a place of authority, in a place of reflecting his creativity, his intellect, his love, his capacity for relationship. We reflect all of that about him, each and every one of us. So we have been called. We have been called to be image bearers of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Maybe you'll remember that walking away from tonight as well. Um, we have been called in his image. We have been called to be like God. If we're going to be godly, it's being God-like. We're called to reflect him in substance, in the way that we are, in relationship, in how we relate to each other, and in function. We are called with authority to rule and reign today. So this is our personality, our relationships, and our ability to relinquish authority. We have called to be armor bearers, as Deborah personified in the Bible. She didn't forget who she reflected. She knew her calling. She called out the calling of God in others. Barak's in Hebrews 11, maybe because of the prophetic word she gave him. And Israel, the people of God, were restored to their rightful place on earth as a blessing to the nations. We're called to be message bearers, and Elizabeth personified this. She understood her calling and the calling of her son. And she called out God in Mary and in her son, Jesus. And God's people, us, we're now restored because of that relationship as well. We're restored to our rightful place on earth, and we're called today to be a blessing to the nations. So, if you are called to be an image bearer, an armor bearer, and a message bearer, what will your message be? 
And so as you put these dog tags on today, I don't know if, you, if any of you know the history of dog tags. So dog tags were instituted in World War II. And it's a little bit morbid, but we talked about jail. So um, if we can talk about driving tent pegs through people's heads. Um, so dog tags were actually initiated in the military because during times of um, great battle and warfare, it was very hard to identify the soldiers who were dead. So soldiers, now when I joined the army, I was government issue a set of dog tags. They had my name on them, my social security number, a way of identifying me if I fell in battle. Well, I want to tell you something. All of us here were once dead. We were all dead. And sometimes we forget who we are. And so I want to give you these dog tags today, or really from the Loaded team, we want to give you these dog tags today because sometimes when we're trying to remember who we are, we think back to that natural reflection that we saw in the mirror. And we think, oh, I'm, I'm um, you know, whatever you might think you are. <laughs> and we forget that that person is gone. And we have a new identity. So these dog tags aren't a representation of who you were before you died, but who you are now that you're born again. Because now that you're born again, you are called out with authority. You are called out in a place of power. You are called out in relationship to the body of God, to other believers and other Christians, so that together we have a message that will change the nations around us and be a blessing in the world today. This is how we see Jesus come back in our generation. It's by us understanding that we are all called, that Jesus came back for all of us. And if we understand that we bear his image in partnership with one another in a place of authority, we can really change the world. We can really walk in that Genesis 28 promise to Abraham that Jesus is calling in Matthew 28. This is how we do it. This is what we're called to be. We're called to stand in authority today, together. And I'm going to end there and turn it over to Marge. Wow, that has just been amazing. Um, when I came in last night, I sneaked to look at the um, brochures. And I was so excited because it's just the heart that Ian and I have been carrying that we feel is our message. Um, because we loved the whole Father Heart message about knowing who you are, connecting with the Father's heart. But both of us have felt that on our journey and places we've been, that it's become a bit passive in a way. That, you know, a number of people are happy to do the upward journey and the inward journey. But there needs to be an outward journey because that is the whole point. And so when I looked at the brochure, I'm like, oh, this is so us. Um, and uh, I was smiling to myself because Hannah's talking about all this amazing academic stuff she does. And uh, I never achieved much academically. I know those of you who've heard us do the Father Heart School that um, for some reason I just believed a lie, a lie that I was average, although my sisters were quite high flyers academically. I just r somehow believe I would never be able to measure up to them and I would be a disappointment to my parents. So my get out clause was I was just average. And I used to believe that. And you know, Ian has a degree in geology, a PhD in metamorphic petrology. It's amazing I can say that. He's 
He studied rocks in California. <laughs> and he's co-written a book on eschatology. So I go, he's got all these ologies, and I don't have any ology. But you know, God had to take me on a journey that I am equally valuable in his sight. And then I discovered that my name means pearl. If you're called Margaret or Marge, it means pearl. And he started to speak to me about being a pearl. And that I, got, I remember getting up in Germany to speak. And just before I got up to speak, there's these lies from the enemy. You're just a fraud. You've made this up. You don't really mean this message. And I'm going, help me, Holy Spirit. And immediately, he went, you are a pearl, but there's nothing fake about you. You are a genuine pearl. And I just got up. Woo! Let me just set my clock. And me too, like Hannah, will speak like a speed train because I know I've not got much time. And also, when I get a bit nervous, I still get nervous. I speak far too fast. But um, what I loved, um, we have a guy in our church. He's converted from, Muslim, from Islam. He's um, from Afghanistan, and he got saved, him and his wife, about 14 years ago. And he speaks about six different languages, but uh, we found out that a lot of the Afghani language um, is very similar to Hebrew. And uh, in the course of his journey, I mean, he's radically saved, and he's been instrumental on, I think over the last two or three years, we've seen a huge number of Afghan and Iranian Muslim guys get saved. And everyone that's got saved, we've not lost one to being deported. They've all got their visas to stay, and they're radically saved. That they, and they evangelize amongst themselves, and they say to other Muslims, if you want to know a God who loves you, come with us. And all we've done is love them. That's all we have loved them into the kingdom, and they've found the Father. So anyway, this guy, I'll call him Jay, because if it's been recorded, we have to be very careful to protect these guys. He is now being paid by the Bible Society to translate the Bible into modern-day Dari, their language. And so he has had to research the Hebrew and the Greek. And he shared with us on the whole thing of women. And he was saying that in Proverbs 31, where it says, a woman of virtue, that he said, the old King James changed it from power to virtue, and it actually means a powerful woman, a virtuous woman. So when he shared it the other Sunday, we, all we women jumped up and was like, yeah. And then he talked about God um, saying he would make a helper for Adam. And as I heard Danny Silk once say, God looked at man and said, you need help. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, he, traced it, he traced it through the scriptures to the Ark of the Covenant. And where it's talking about a helper, one of the things is it means the word pole, P-O-L-E. And he traced it right back, and it's the pole that carries the Ark of the Covenant. And there needs to be two poles. And they are both meant, man and woman, to carry the presence of God together side by side so that it's balanced. I mean, I just thought that was so precious. And he's saying this, and he's saying it has changed the way he looks at his wife because he is from a Muslim background and he's had to do that journey. But this is, so I just wanted to throw that in. The other thing that amazes me is jail. I've always thought, what a woman of courage because it wasn't just some steel tent peg. They were wooden. I mean, it must have taken some strength and courage to 
I can't even begin to think what. I would have to have the Holy Spirit take over me completely to have the strength and the courage to do something so gross as that. She is my hero. <laughs> so I, all I wanted to do was just some encouragement of being a world changer. Because what Hannah has been talking about going out is changing the world. And most of us in here will never get to be a senator or a prime minister or maybe even a Heidi Baker. But every one of us is called to change the world that we're in. And I only realized this when I found, I'd been to a conference on world changes years ago and I found the kind of card we were given for every day to attend this conference. And it just says, Mar Marge Russell, world changer. And I just started laughing, I went, oh yeah, right. And then God said, no, you are a world changer. You have spheres of influence that you are meant to change. And be that the school playground, the, the, the checkout, wherever is your sphere of influence, you are called to change that world and bring his love to that world. And, um, and I had to realize again, not to go back to thinking that I'm just average, but no, I am a world changer. You are a world changer. You are a glory carrier. And one of the aspects of God's glory that I love is when, you know, Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, I will cause my goodness to pass by. And an aspect of God's glory is his goodness and his kindness. And every one of us can carry his goodness and his kindness into every situation that we meet. And, um, and it, it doesn't matter what sphere of life, what stage of life you're in, that... You know, when I, when I was at home with my kids, I thought I was missing out on everything that God was doing because people were going to conferences that I couldn't attend. And, and God just reminded me that he gently leads those that are with young and that I had to recognize and honor the season that I was in. And I wasn't going to miss out, but I could. And I realized back then that I was influencing and bringing peace to situations that in the school playground that I was a comfort to people. And I, I was looking back and just seeing how God had used me. And he would speak to me through the babies. He would speak to me, stood at the kitchen sink, and Ian would come home. You know, he'd been trying to search God on something. He'd been waiting on God. He'd been on his knees, and he'd come home, and I'd go, do you know what God told me today while I was feeding the baby? <laughs> He's like, I waited for hours for a word from God. <laughs> and... Um, and now the kids have grown up. They've all, the last one got married. She's the eldest, but she, got, she was the last to get married last August. But we are traveling like mad now. And it's not so gently leading me, more like kicking me up the backside and getting me out. But um, in order to be a world trans, to transform worlds, to be a world changer, we have to stay intentionally on being continually, this inner world being transformed. This world has to change all the time to become more and more like him in his image in order for us to change the world out there. So that, um, you know, I often, every now and again, I'll pray Psalm 139. It's one of my favorites, like a love letter to me. But at the end, he says, search me and know me. And one of the Bible says, see if there's any wicked way. But all of it in Strong's Concordance is translated as, see if there's any hurt and pain. And every now and again, I'll go, Lord, show me if there's any hurt and pain. Especially when I find that I'm reacting wrongly to somebody or something. And then I'll go, Lord, show me where there's hurt and pain. 
because the person is never the issue. It's what's going on in here. And I just want to stay changed and transformed so that I can transform the worlds around me. And my encouragement to you is to stay close to him. L incline your heart to hear his heartbeat for you. And then you can hear his heartbeat for others. Um, and I just want to give a few testimonies of that because of how easy it is. But I just want to go back first to this guy that got saved first, Jay. He was in, living in Afghanistan under the Taliban, but there was a Christian charity working in there. He didn't know they were Christians. He just knew they were Westerners. But he was so struck by their kindness. He was struck by their love for them, their unconditional kindness and love. And he thought it was a Western thing. And then he came to university with his wife in um, England, and he soon realized it wasn't a Western thing. <laughs> and, but it sent him on a journey. And this is what I want to encourage you in. You may not always see the fruit of the world that you're in where you've, brought, you've, you've sought to bring change through his goodness and his kindness. But it started him on a journey because their goodness and kindness was carried by the Holy Spirit, by Father's heart. So it had touched him and it caused him to go on a journey to find out why these people were different to what he'd known under the Taliban and under Islam. And he ended up getting saved. And so I seek to bring his goodness and his kindness into situations. And if I have a prophetic word, um, you know, I'll, I'll speak to people about what I see about them. And if they ask me why, I will tell them why. But if they don't, I leave it. And Ian might speak on some of this tomorrow. But, you know, Jesus sent the disciples out to eat with people and to proclaim peace to them and pray for them before they said the kingdom of God is at hand. And we've often gone in with repent. Um, and so these are the testimonies of some that of people just recently. So I was in a rest, we were in a restaurant in England. And we went into a restaurant we'd never been in before because we were traveling. And the waitress was called Louise and our eldest is called Louise. So I said to um, her, you know, we were talking and I said, you know what your name means? So she said, no. I said, it means a victorious leader. I said, that's what my daughter is. She is a really good leader at work and she does great. So she said, is that why you called her? I said, no, I just thought I liked the name, but I found out later. She said, I love that because I'm training to be a nurse and my dream is to be in charge of a team in a hospital. And so I said to her, Louise, I'm a Christian. I believe in prayer. And every time I, because it was a chain of restaurants, every time I pass one of, I've got two minutes left. Every time, <laughs> every time I pass one of these restaurants, I will pray for you. So she just smiled and then she had to go on to somebody else. What was amazing, the next day I went in, you have Aldi here, so I can say we went into Aldi. We have Aldi everywhere. And the girl at the checkout, I was waiting in line, and the girl at the checkout, she looked really hard. And I just thought, what have you been through? My heart went out to her. And she was quite curt and rude to one of the other assistants. But I got to, and I heard somebody call her Lindsay, which is our other daughter's name. How amazing is that in two days? So I said, uh, your name is Lindsay? She went, yeah. So I said, you know what your name means? She went, no, I said, it means beautiful one. I said, my daughter's called that, and she's beautiful. I said, but you're beautiful. I said, you have beautiful eyes. And I said, my daughter does. So she starts to soften. 
And I said, when you look in the mirror, Lindsay, every morning, you can say, hello, beautiful. And she went, I can, and I won't be being vain, will I? The wonderful thing is now, I had to move on, obviously, because she's got, there's a line behind me, but when I've, I'm intentionally going in that store, and if she's on the checkout, I will stand at her checkout, and I go, hello, beautiful. And she knows now who I am, and I'm just waiting for a time when I can speak to her. But, you know, all I have to do is what God is leading me to do. It, and if he chooses somebody else to water that seed I'm sowing, but I'm encouraged by, by the story of the guy that got saved because of the kindness of others, that you knowing that your kindness and your words are carried on the wings of the Holy Spirit. And talking of wings, I forgot to say this, but while we were all sat at the tables, I, I sense angels a lot. I just saw these angels touching every one of you going behind you. And I believe the stuff that Hannah has bought, some of the things I'm saying, some of what Dinah will share, you will feel a touch. You have already felt that touch because it's what was needed for you. And to know that there are, there are angels here. I had to laugh when Hannah was talking about Zachariah and the angel. Because I once said to, um, I was staying at my mum's some years ago. My mum's died about four years ago, so a long time ago. But I'm just resting in my bed and I'm just soaking and enjoying God's love. And I thought, I said, I'd love, I know I sense angels a lot, Lord. I see them in the spirit, but I'd love to see one. And I'm lay there with my eyes shut. And I can sense this bright light at the bottom of my bed. I was so scared. And I went, Lord, I think I'll wait until Ian's with me. <laughs> I just think God laughed and laughed because I was just did not dare. How Zechariah dared argue with that angel, I have no idea. I was absolutely terrified. And so, yeah, so they're the kind of things. But I want to I just finish with a beautiful beautiful one where God often gives me names for people and that is way out of my comfort zone which by the way and I don't know if this is for here or somewhere else but I keep hearing the name Felicity does that mean anything to anyone here because I'm traveling a few places I've had it for a while and then the other one is Kendall K-E-N-D-A-L-L if that's not you that's fine or if it's somebody you know because I'm going to read something here I stood up in a church in Germany, and God had given me the name Fritz. Now, I know it's a German name, so I really struggled with it, and loads of people started laughing, but nobody stood up. And for me, it doesn't matter, because it's not about me. It's about, if that is somebody, it's, it's about them. Remember George? I had this word here once for somebody called George, and there was nobody in the church called George, but a visitor, the only George, stood up, and I thought, he made sure you were the only George that you'd know it was him because he loves you so much. So this is why I'll still step out. And so I, this Fritz, and I said, all I know is God has given me a word for somebody called Fritz, and he needs to tie up some loose ends. That's all I knew. Anyway, a year later... This just shows how, if it doesn't, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. I got this email. So, so I'd been back to the church a year later, and then a week later, somebody said, I forgot to tell you when you were here last Sunday. Do you remember your visit to the church when the Lord told you to ask for a man named Fritz? By the way, they all laugh because it's a really old-fashioned name, and nobody's called that anymore. I didn't know that. There was no one in the service, but in our heart, an old friend who had been a missionary in Africa in former times been all over the globe. He'd spoken in our church. And now he was old by years, living alone not far from us, separated from his wife and three children who were all over the world. 
I don't remember all the details, but you said God wanted him to finish well and clear up his family affairs. I might have said that. I don't know. I remember the loose ends. A few days later, I called him and told him what the Holy Spirit wanted to know. He was so stunned that he phoned me several times later to ask, is it true the Lord spoke to him through this lady in that church? Last January, he died. And at the funeral service, his son, an international working surgeon, had tears in his eyes and could hardly speak when he told about their reconciliation a few months before after 15 silent years. Both of them had suffered in those years but could not bring it to an end. Fritz's last days were spent together and Fritz died in the arms of his son. We are deeply moved by God's ways that he chose you who did not even know that man and gave you the courage to ask for him in our service. His son isn't a believer, but when he heard this story, it was a great testimony of God's love for him. In the name of Fritz and his son, thank you so much. But it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me looking stupid because nobody stood up because I mentioned a name called Fritz. But I changed that guy's world because I was, had the courage, and it is the Holy Spirit encourages, and that's why I encourage you to stay close to Father's heart so that he can transform you on the inside, so that you can transform others' worlds. And every one of those people I've mentioned, I've, I've gone away thinking, I'm a world changer. I've changed somebody's world. I've given them hope. I've given them courage that this son was reconciled to his dad, and I think, I'm a world changer. And so I just want you to, to encourage you that every one of you are world changers and taking on board what Hannah has so wonderfully said. Do you know what, Hannah, what I really love, that what God has, I know God has done in me? You've got all these ologies, as I call them. You've done all this stuff. And the, for the first time ever today, I did not feel intimidated. <laughs> and I just think... God, you're doing something in me. Because normally I would have kind of slunk out of the door and thought, there is no way with this amazing, intelligent lady. <laughs> and if some of those um, things I've said, you know, about what means, and I've got them wrong, you can tell me later. Don't, don't stand up and stone me now, will you? <laughs> but every one of you are world changers and I would encourage you to ask God, how can I change somebody's world today? To say to yourself, I am a glory carrier. I can bring the goodness and kindness into every situation and every person I meet today. I kept saying that to myself. And sometimes when I go into our church office, I'll say to the staff on reception, good morning, glory carriers. And they all know what I mean now. They go, good morning. So you can say to one another when you see each other, hi, you glory carrier. You know, and even if you are the oldest grandma, which none of you look like your very old grandmas, but you can be the grandma Lois. Timothy's grandma was called Lois, and talk, Paul talks about the faith that came from his mother and his grandma. And I believe they were praying people, that even if you don't meet a lot of people, God will lay on your heart people to pray for whose worlds you will change. So, you glory carriers, go out and change the world. <laughs>